Hey folks, thank you so much for listening to Fat Burning Man. My name is Abel James and welcome to the show. We're going to be talking about real food and real results and this week's show is coming to you from Nashville, Tennessee, where we've hauled the RV to Old Stone Fort State Park, a curious and awesome spot in the woods surrounded by Native American ruins. It's pretty cool. So take that road trip, check it out. We're here this week with Yasmina Akelinstam to talk about autoimmunity and much, much more food sensitivities, what you can do about them. Before we get to the show, though, I want to let you know that we've been getting a lot of questions lately on how to eat organic, real, paleo-friendly food while saving money on grocery bills. So we just released the Wild Diet Shopping Guide, a handy little ebook that shows you how to save money and time while cooking the healthiest food for you and your family. So if you'd like to check that out, that's at fatburningman.com. And of course, if you'd like podcast notes, uh, which is actually more of a, a handy little article that hits the main takeaways from every podcast, hop on over to my blog at fatburningman.com and drop a line in the comment section. And also, if you'd like to get a free guide on how to get fit by exercising less and by eating some of the most delicious food you could ever imagine, like grass-fed burgers stuffed with avocado, paleo pancakes, and even treats like cheesecake, go to fatburningman.com right now and enter your best email to get your free fat-burning downloads and podcast updates straight to your inbox. You can also find me on Twitter at FatBurnMan and Facebook as FatBurningMan or Abel James. I love hearing what you guys think of the shows, uh, answering your questions and much more, so keep in touch. In the meantime, here's the review of the week. This one is from Kara. Wild and happiest ever. This is for my new book called The Wild Diet, available pretty much anywhere books are sold. Uh, my boyfriend and I have been wild since March of 2015 and paleo since January. Each week brings new experiments and challenges. We love eating this way and exploring our new lifestyle together. We are enjoying and appreciating mealtime so much more than ever before. My only wish is that we knew about this way of living earlier, but so happy we learned when we did. Be careful. If you sit down next to me in a public place, I might tell you all about this book and the Fat Burning Man podcast and the gluten-free desserts app. Way to go, Abel and Allison. It's hard not to headline this review as Girl Gone Wild. Well, I'm glad you didn't, <laughs> but thanks for bringing it up. And I, I really appreciate uh, your feedback, Kara. On that note, if you guys uh, appreciate this show, please leave a quick review on iTunes. Check us out on, on YouTube and uh, and leave a comment in the comments section. All right, so on to the show with our guest, Yasmina Akelinstam, the low histamine chef, is a former CNN BBC journalist and luxury brand marketing professional turned nutrition wellness blogger and cookbook author after using a high nutrient, gluten-free, histamine-balanced, flexitarian diet to heal a chronic inflammatory condition. On this show, you'll learn why dogmatic paleo, autoimmune, and GAPS diets can actually be totally wrong, how to identify your problem foods, how acne, dry skin, and other skin conditions might actually be coming from your diet, why certain healthy foods might be making you fat and sick, and what to do about it, and tons more. All right, let's go hang out with Yasmina. This episode is brought to you by Wild Superfoods. Let's start with a quick question. Do health supplements really work? 
After testing many hundreds of tonics, supplements, powders, and potions over the past seven plus years, my wife Allison and I have found very few companies that we actually trust. Massive, faceless corporations seem to be running the show, often prioritizing profits well above our collective health. Many supplements in stores and online are of extremely low quality, are ridiculously overpriced, and some don't even contain the active ingredient they're supposed to be selling. We all deserve much better. That's why my wife Allison and I created Wild Superfoods. We're a small family business and we take our own products daily because we think they're the best out there. Our Ultimate Daily Bundle provides you with a complete supplement regimen that you can trust to deliver maximum health benefits without the guesswork. Whether you're looking for Mega Omegas, Vitamin D Stack, Probiotic Spheres, or Future Greens, our cutting-edge supplements have you covered. And as a listener of Fat Burning Man, you can save over $80 on a one-time purchase or save over $128 when you select Subscribe and Save. All you have to do is head on over to wildsuperfoods.com. You can type it into your address bar right now to order your very own health-boosting goodies for a rocking listener discount for a limited time. And as always, if you don't love any of our products from Wild Superfoods, then you get your money back. So one more time, all you have to do to check it out is visit wildsuperfoods.com. Thanks for listening. We'll see you there. Hi, folks. Thank you so much for joining us on Fat Burning Man. I'm Abel, and we're here with Yasmina Akelinstam. Did I do that all right? Akelinstam. <laughs> Akelinstam. I knew I would screw that up. Anyway, the low histamine chef. We were just talking about how people always ruin my name. My full name, a lot of people actually listening to this right now might not even know that. My full name is Abel James Bascom. And uh, as a musician, enough people butchered that on billboards and saying it live that I'm just like, you know what, forget about it. We're going with the first two. So Akelinstam, um, I'm so glad that you're here. Um, uh, we get a lot of questions about how people can kind of like hack their diets into the perfect thing for them. And we were just talking before this interview about how you're not a big fan of dogmatic approaches to diet at all. And a lot of people who kind of start with paleo or gaps or autoimmune type stuff come to you after the fact to try to dig a little deeper into what's right for them. So can you just tell people what you do and how you got into it? Your story is pretty fascinating. Um, so what happened was I, you know, like many people, I hadn't been feeling great all of my life. You know, things, symptoms would kind of wax and wane. I was dealing with a lot of IBS, bloating, you know, just kind of allergy-like stuff that nobody could diagnose as an allergy. And my mother dragged me to the top specialists all over the world, but nothing doing it. It all came up negative, you know, thyroid this and allergies, mm. always negative. And then, um, and then in my 30s, I decided to buckle down and get really healthy. I mean, before then, I had never met a vegetable that I had willingly eaten, <laughs> you know. But having become a journalist and working in war zones for CNN and the BBC, I decided I really needed to get it together. Sure. So, you know, I started eating the avocados, you know, uh, the tomatoes, lots of soy, tofu, you know, lots of fermented food, kimchi, pineapple, 
And suddenly it all came to a head. I just got really, really, really insanely sick, like weird anxiety symptoms, bipolar disorder symptoms. In fact, I was diagnosed as bipolar and given tons of medication. Um, You know, I was diagnosed with anxiety syndrome, you know, all that kind of stuff. But really what happened, the day I kind of figured out what was happening was I had rejuvelac, which is this really nasty fermented drink. Disgusting. I mean, the Hippocrates, are they trying to punish us even more than we're already punishing ourselves? Um, You know, and then I just, I was completely wired and I was sick and I broke out in hives and stuff. You know, and then I went home and I Googled all of this and I'd been tracking my diet for years, as many of us have been. You know, I mean, many of us who get into the whole healthy eating thing, it's because we're not feeling that great to start with, you know. And, um, and then I just discovered this thing called histamine intolerance. And I thought, wow, okay, that, that's, that's right on the money. All of my symptoms were there. Just, uh, it was, uh, it was really enlightening. And then I just embarked on this whole journey trying to fix what was wrong with me. Then I was told I had something more serious, which was something called mast cell activation syndrome, which basically kind of means we really don't know what's wrong with you. Yeah. It kind of involves your immune system, we think, but yeah. we're not sure how. Thanks, so, Doc. Exactly. <laughs> so, um, yeah, the only other thing I love more is idiopathic. Yeah. It's right. Idiopathic. <laughs> yeah. So histamines, the things that make you all stuffed up and feel a little bit lousy when you get allergies, what did... What did what happened to you? Uh, what would happen to me is, uh, well, the worst it was that suddenly came on was when I moved to San Francisco. Uh, I, I was on a modeling contract and I started eating shellfish every day. And I mean, mm. really every day. I was next to a restaurant that was the best in San Francisco for shellfish. And I broke out in hives all over my body wow. and I kind of went into anaphylactic shock. Yeah. But most people don't know is that there are many grades of anaphylactic shock. Mm -hmm. So you can have really mild anaphylaxis and not really know about it. So it can take years to diagnose, but it just, uh, you know, my symptoms completely spiraled out of control and it came to the point where I was living in a bubble. I was scrubbing myself using a loofah and salt because that was the only thing that I could tolerate on my skin. I did the whole, you know, no shampoo thing for a year, which was really disgusting. I'm sorry. Anybody who says that it's not is just lying. <laughs> but apologies to anybody out there who's doing it yourself. But, you know, it's just... Um, I know some of those people. <laughs> yeah, it's it's just, it wasn't right for me. Let's yeah, leave it at that. Sure. But, um, you know, so it, it was problematic because I'm a woman and I like to look nice and mm-hmm. I wasn't able to wear makeup. I mean, forget makeup. I wasn't able to eat. I was down to five foods, wow. you know, and I just couldn't understand why healthy food wasn't working for me. Yeah. And, and so if someone is kind of finding themselves spiraling down in a similar way, what do you recommend they do? Well, the, the symptoms, first of all, to look out for mostly um, are fatigue, extreme fatigue. A mm-hmm. lot of people might be diagnosed with things like fibromyalgia, chronic fatigue syndrome, um, you know, uh, random allergies, uh, borderline thyroid, that kind of stuff. So extreme fatigue, IBS, um, you know, extremes, you know, the, the stomach going from one end of the spectrum mm-hmm. to the other, you know, diarrhea, constipation, you know, um, hives, acne that's not actually acne that doesn't respond to um, any kind of prescription medications like Accutane or the um, the tricyclic, um, what's it called, uh, the antibiotics, mm-hmm. the tetracyclines rather, and um, depression, anxiety, severe mood swings. There's something called Masto Rage, which Masto I experienced. Masto Rage. That sounds like an awesome video game or something. <laughs> 
And it's literally just completely flipping out, you know, yeah. for no reason whatsoever. Um, you know, that the, the um, skin complaints like eczema, psoriasis, rosacea, mm -hmm. these are all related to mast cells and therefore histamine. And, um, you know, so all these kind of symptoms. So if this is something someone suspects that they have, ideally, you know, you should get a diagnosis, yeah. which is nigh on impossible in most countries. <laughs> I kind of, I have to say that because you, yeah. you should figure out what's wrong with you because histamine issues can also mimic a lot of conditions. Sure. So, you know, you kind of have to rule them out. I mean, when I went there, I, I had a, a folder like this big and we literally ruled out every other diagnosis on the planet before wow. I was diagnosed with mast cell um, syndrome. Yeah. But, but like I said, so I'm kind of up here on the spectrum. There's mastocytosis and systemic mastocytosis. And then you have histamine intolerance, okay. which is literally just people who maybe because of stress or lack of the diamine oxidase or HNMT enzymes, which are the histamine degrading enzymes. Mm -hmm. A lack of HNMT has been uh, linked to ADHD in children. They react to preservatives and stuff like that. They think yeah. that's the link. They haven't been able to work out why kids react. But adults react to them too. I can attest to that. Yeah. So after that, you know, if you can get a diagnosis, great. If you can't, the way I look at it is that this diet, the diet that I am on, it's it's not really a diet I created. You know, it's it's an anti-inflammatory diet. I took the anti-inflammatory diet one step further by tossing in a bunch of antihistamine foods, mm -hmm. mostly foods that are rich in quercetin, you know, bioflavonoids like lutein and rutin and stuff like that. And so, you know, just I, I made a, an, an eating plan out of it, basically. And it's just really healthy. So even if this isn't what you're dealing with, eliminating yeah. all of the garbage from your diet and all of what I call they're kind of like the non-foods like, you know, okay, yeast might be beneficial to vegans, but you know, do we really need it? We could probably do without it. That's mm -hmm. a big histamine trigger. You know, uh, we can use apple cider vinegar instead of balsamic vinegar. There's, you know, hundreds of lists on the internet that tell you how to do this. I disagree with most of them, but <laughs> that's a story for another day. It's just, you know, they're people just go out and research these lists and, you know, they, they put them together and there's very little science behind it. But, yeah. um, so, you know, once you remove all of the garbage foods, the non-foods, and then, you know, just focus on these healing antihistamine and anti-inflammatory foods, you know, you're, you're really not going to go wrong. I mean, you're not going to hurt yourself. You know, that's right. well, my view. Anyway. What does a plate look like then? Ah, well, that's an interesting question because a, um, people with histamine issues are normally just people who are sensitive in general. You know, and a lot of them kind of like turn up at the histamine thing and they're like, wow, so I've eliminated all of the histamine foods. Why am I still reacting? Yeah. Well, because you might be reacting to oxalates. You might be reacting to salicylates. Mm -hmm. You might be reacting to fructose. You know, so the answer really is don't have too much of any one thing. Yeah. The interesting thing that I have found is that some foods have opposing symptoms, so, you know, beans would make me really, really tired, but, you know, vinegar would make me very hyperactive. So my plate would take all of this into account. So what I tell people is, what I normally tell people is to keep a food diary yeah. and then make yourself a list of foods that you're currently tolerating that are high nutrient, mm -hmm. foods that you're not tolerating that are high nutrient, and so on, and th foods that you want to bring back into the diet. Once you have that list, you make another list with all of your symptoms. 
So you make a spreadsheet, you know, and you have, I don't know, IBS, you know, insomnia, whatever, and you put all of the foods that are causing these, and eventually you figure out what the foods actually are. Once you have this list, you know, you can balance your plate, you know, put a little bit of the foods that bind you up with a little bit of the foods that loosen the bowels Mm -hmm. (laughs) mixed with something that keeps you awake. So everybody's plate is going to look different, but my diet is generally... I wake up in the morning, I have a green smoothie that, you know, includes a little bit of fruit, you know, something anti-inflammatory like Mm -hmm. mango, one part to two parts vegetable, you know, broccoli stem or cucumber, and then two to four cups of vitamin K rich anti-inflammatory mixed grains, Mm -hmm. or I have some fruit and, um, you know, toss in some nuts that have been soaked. Lunch is, you know, a massive, and I mean, really, people are like, oh no, I eat salad every day. No, I don't, I don't, I don't think you understand. I'm talking about like a bowl this big, yeah. you know, um, with, uh, with a little bit of protein, sometimes some beans. I am basically paleo, but I do include beans because mm-hmm. they just work for me. At some point I might decide that they don't. I'm sure. always changing the diet, refining it and whatever. And, you know, um, dinner is, is basically a soup or another salad, protein, vegetables, you know, just, just really healthy. Yeah. So it almost sounds like food is your medicine and your downfall, but you're especially sensitive to either one. How do you go about finding which is which? The, it, there is no easy way to figure it out mm-hmm. because with histamine reactions, you can have a very delayed reaction that lasts, you know, you can have a reaction that develops 48 hours okay. in, within 48 hours or not before 48 hours. But basically, as I said, if you make that list with the different symptoms, If you track it long enough, you'll eventually see the same foods reappearing over Mm. and over again in different Mm. columns, and then you whittle it down. The argument against that is, and I know this is true for myself, that over time, if you focus too deeply inwards on your reactions and you're looking for the reactions, you will get what you're looking for. (laughs) for. So if you're eating like a a spoonful of vinegar, you know, as one does, Mm -hmm. and you're just sitting there like, oh, what's the vinegar doing to me? Maybe I shouldn't have had a spoonful. Maybe I should have just had a teaspoonful. Oh my God, why did I do this vinegar thing? I I have to work today. I should have done it later. You know, maybe tomorrow. That whirlwind is just really counterproductive. And it can actually, my research shows that it can induce a reaction through Mm. amygdala hyperactivation and the stress response. You know, and a lot of the work I've done on myself has involved meditation and yoga. And when I started reintroducing foods eventually, because I was down to five foods, when um, I started reintroducing foods, I did something quite silly. I got a bowl of strawberries and I had gone into anaphylactic shock a couple of years earlier from one strawberry. I did a meditation. um, I ate the bowl of strawberries and then I went back into my meditation and then I practiced some brain retraining throughout the rest of the day. And that is how I reintroduced strawberries into my diet. Wow. You know, it wasn't about nutrition. It I mean, it probably was. I mean, I'd been eating an excellent diet for years by then. But, you know, the point was I needed to get over that final hurdle, which was my brain. Mm -hmm. My body had healed, but my brain hadn't caught up. It hadn't got the message yet. You know, and that's what the meditation and the yoga helped me do. That's so cool. That's such a powerful takeaway too, because your food really does respond to the state you're in, certainly. And and that responds to just what you think about it. If you think that something is going to make you fat, it might. <laughs> Even if it's something that wouldn't normally, you know, but 
uh, one of the secrets of a lot of the people in, in physique competitions or bodybuilding or even professional athletes, they visualize what they want themselves to look and feel like and kind of connect that with the ritual of exercising of eating certain foods. And they might be eating hamburgers from McDonald's, but it still kind of works out in a, in a bizarre way because they have this mindset that allows it to work. And the, the power of the brain is something that, you know, I, that's been deep into my history. I kind of come from studying all of that side of things. And so I'm fascinated by the fact that sometimes things work when they're really not supposed to, because some somehow they kind of nailed the mental aspect. But um, so what I'm curious about at the beginning of the process, why do you think you broke down? Why did you get so sick? What were the inputs into that? Oh, wow. Um, I read a really interesting book called The Last Best Cure. She's a uh, science journalist called Donna Jackson Nakazawa. And uh, in the book, she talks about a, um, a questionnaire that was created by uh, Kaiser. And basically, it scores you on a basis of how much trauma you've had in your life. And mm -hmm. at the end of it, it tells you how likely you are to develop an immune system disorder. Mm -hmm. Now, when I was about to take this questionnaire, I thought, you know, I haven't really had much trauma in my life. You know, my friends, have they've had parents murdered and, you know, just horrible things happen to them. Mm -hmm. You know, and I, I took this test and it was like, did you hear your parents arguing before you were the age of 11? Did you move home more than once every five years before the age of 15? And I was just like, oh, well, my dad was in hotels. We were moving every six months to a new country, a new school. And, yeah. you know, I grew up during a war and suddenly it kind of put things in perspective. Hmm. Now, sadly, if I had read this book before I became a journalist, maybe it would have made a difference. But as it was... I went to war several times yeah. uh, covering conflicts. You know, I covered the Saddam Hussein trial. I've been to uh, nuclear uh, processing facilities in wow. Libya. You know, I've uh, I've been shot at in helicopters. I've, you know, it's, and it takes its toll on your nervous system. Sure. And it turns out that mast cells, which are where histamine lives in the body. I mean, you find histamine in foods which can cause an overload of histamine if you're lacking an enzyme or enzymes. But there's also histamine in your body in mast cells, which are part of the immune system. And mast cells are necessary. Inflammation is a good thing. Inflammation is the good guy. Mm -hmm. You know, if you have too much of it, it's a bad thing, as right. you know. Right. Yeah. You know, so, but what happens is when mast cells become unstable, they splurge their inflammation into the body and just wreak havoc in there. And one of the biggest triggers of mast cells is stress. And so, you know, I went to war uh, for years and my body just imploded. I kept convincing myself that it had nothing to do with anything, that I was tough, that I could deal with this. You know, I've already grown up during, you know, I grew up during a war when I was a kid in Lebanon. I can certainly deal with it now as an adult. And I was on an important mission. I was telling the world what was happening. And, mm -hmm. you know, I, I really convinced myself of that. But when I left journalism, and just everything really had a chance to sink in. My, I was no longer living on adrenaline and yeah, adrenaline yeah. actually lowers histamine. So, you know, because the body needs to yeah. man so up. Kind of. Exactly. So I was running on this adrenaline high for years when I was a journalist. And then when I crashed, I crashed big time and I was out of it. Yeah. Oh, brutal. I was recently, I, I got a small taste of that being in Arizona. We were sleeping one night and uh, I just 
gotten back from a bunch of traveling and recording an album and kind of running on that adrenaline. And then I was stung by an Arizona bark scorpion right on the kidney, like multiple times. And like what that, I could feel my nervous system and the adrenals just like <laughs> blown apart by that whole experience. But I can totally relate to what some of that stuff does to you. It is, uh, it's not best to deny it if, if you suspect that it's going on, right? Like you really want to kind of uh, do whatever you can to accept it. And I think what you said about the meditation before you're eating is a really powerful, powerful thing. Uh, it's something that that I have been doing every day for years, but I think it's a, a big piece that a lot of people miss out on. Can you speak a little bit to the power of that? What has it done um, to your to your habits, to your mindset, to your body? Um, really focusing on the mental side of things. I mean, solely from a practical perspective, meditation saved my life. It literally, I was in Kenya and I went into anaphylactic shock and I didn't have any medication with me and there were no doctors, there was no hospitals. And I knew that was it, that I was going to die. I collapsed on the floor. I lost my vision and I wow. thought this, this is it for me. Yeah. And luckily um, I was found and I was reminded by the person who found me that I had been training myself for six months in meditation to will myself through anaphylactic shock because mm -hmm. I knew how important stress was in the whole anaphylactic process because I was winding myself up as I realized I was going into shock, obviously. You know, I was convinced I was going to die. I'd never been convinced I was going to die. And, you know, I managed to get through that episode through the meditation alone. I then helped someone else do exactly the same thing with a visualization technique. And I'm not wow. suggesting people go out and do this, obviously, but it was incredible. She was beat red with hives and everything. And, you know, we were, I was holding her hands and I'm taking her through it and we're both crying and she's trembling in my hands. And obviously we had called the emergency services and, you know, they were on their way. And then just suddenly as she started to get into it, the normal colored skin started appearing again. Wow. Like as if we were in a cartoon, you know, and all the hives were going and we had a very well-respected mast cell specialist there with us. And he would, by, by coincidence, and he was, I mean, it was on my retreat, so it wasn't a coincidence, but he was completely shocked and he's now planning to do some research into it. Oh, cool. Just generally meditation, I mean, again, from a scientific perspective, um, switches off the genes that are related to inflammation, specifically ones that are related to histamine and mast cell disorders. Mm -hmm. So people with chronic fatigue, you know, fibromyalgia, all that kind of stuff would definitely benefit from it. But it's been so life-changing that I can't even begin to put into words the good that it has done me health-wise, but also as a human being. Mm. My, relate, my interpersonal relationships have changed my stress levels have gone to zero. I mean, I was, you know, I would walk into a room and if somebody was sitting there, I'd scream, you know, I mean, I still startle quite easily, but you know, my, my overall stress levels have just gone completely down. I'm able to eat. I mean, I wasn't able to eat, you know, with all of the diets and, you know, all of the nutrients and everything, I was still having problems eating, you know, and there's a Chinese proverb that, you know, a, a crumb eaten in peace is worth more than a feast eaten in stress or anger or something like that. Yeah. And that's yeah. absolutely it. And it's it's very interesting that you you practice that also because you know the the meditation with the with the the mindful eating rather. 
it's, it's just, I think it's the most important thing we can do. And the first time I realized what a life changer this was going to be was when I actually went on a meditation retreat to learn how to uh, be a meditation teacher. And while on that retreat, I ate everything I wanted and I, <laughs> everything, anything that wasn't nailed down. I mean, it was vegan too. So, you know, I, I kind of went, nuts, but um, you know, I just ate absolutely everything. And we were practicing mindful eating the whole time that we were there. And it finally clicked. I'm like, oh my God, that's, that's, that's the answer. So if someone's never really done that before, could you do a quick primer on what, say they, they're about to sit down at their table for a meal. What do they do? Ooh, honestly, I really suggest that people do something like look up John Kabat-Zinn on iTunes and get an idea of the meditation process first. Mm -hmm. I mean, I wish that somebody had told me years ago the importance of the posture because I was um, I was compressing my diaphragm for many years, yeah. and I found the meditation not as effective because I wasn't really taking the air up and allowing it to circulate through my body, you sure. know, and, and bring all that oxygenated goodness through my body. You know, so simple things like that, I think, are really important. And, you know, leaning on the expertise of someone like Zen, who, you know, is the granddaddy of, uh, of mindfulness, you know, mm -hmm. responsible for the rebranding of it, you know, that made it acceptable in corporate America, you know, is very beneficial. But if you would like to begin, you know, just uh, right off the bat, I just recommend trying to find your center, trying to find a point of stillness within the whirlwind that we're dealing with on a daily basis and kind of hold a place in your mind's eye to focus on and just allow yourself to experience your fears without any kind of judgment. Mm -hmm. And I know it's easier said than done, but you know, it took me a long time to understand that it was okay to think of things during meditation. It's, yeah. it's, it's not realistic that we're going to have a completely blank mind. I mean, we wouldn't be very interesting people if we had blank minds anyway. Sure. But, um, you know, just to try and find that point of stillness, breathe very deeply and try and not focus on what you're eating. Mm -hmm. Focus on the experience of eating, but not actually what you're eating. And the way that I began with people on my retreat with the mindfulness eating, uh, mindful eating rather, was I would encourage them to experience the smells of the food mm -hmm. as kind of an introduction to what was coming. And if the smells aren't hurting you, then why would the food itself hurt you? You know, but at the same time, you have people with multiple chemical sensitivity syndrome or disorder, whatever we're calling it nowadays, who do actually react to the smells. And that's a part of histamine and mast cell disorders. People might trigger to smells. And that is because, again, of the role of the amygdala trying to warn us that, you know, we shouldn't touch whatever it is that smell is coming from, because mm -hmm. if it's in your mouth already, it's too late, technically. Right. Right. Yeah. And it's amazing going to other cultures, too, how uh, it, it's very much encouraged to do just that. You see everyone kind of like wafting the, the sweet aromas or the spicy aromas, whatever, into their nostrils and kind of bowing their heads and getting ready to eat. And in America, you're just kind of like in the front seat of a car shoving a burrito down your throat or something. It's such a massively different experience, but I think it's such an opportunity for, for most of us. And we talked a little bit before the call about where you're from, how food is, is treated in that culture differently than um, where a lot of us and a lot of the listeners might be from in the West. Can you talk more about that? 
Um, so my mom is Lebanese, and which is why I was born in Beirut. And my mother said to me when many years ago that she she couldn't quite work it out. Every time we came to Lebanon, all of my digestive issues would disappear. Yeah. But then as soon as we went to Europe or the States, suddenly I'd be sick again. And initially, she kind of put it down to McDonald's, and she decided the ketchup was the problem. But really... It was more likely the fact that at least back in the day when I lived in Lebanon and and still to a certain extent now, you know, the Lebanese live off the land. There really is no reliance on packaged foods. And if it is packaged, you know, Beirut is such a small place and Lebanon as a whole is such a tiny country, you know, only 4 million population that, you know, whatever you have in the shop is going to be sold that day because, you know, you only make as much as you need. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, what a concept. Each, <laughs> right. Um, it, each meal in Lebanon begins with a bowl of vegetables. Mm. I mean, whole radishes and, you know, carrots and cucumbers. And you're served a plate of thyme, fresh thyme with olive oil, you know, and you dip some bread into, okay, bread, but, you know, um, they're, yeah, it's too much for them to give up their bread, but, you know, you dip the bread. <laughs> to it or you know the fresh thyme is in the salad they put lots of herbs in the salad you know i mean the lebanese meza which is what you start with i've never understood how people can progress beyond the meza which are just these tiny little dishes of mostly vegetarian foods and you get 30 or 40 of them at, at your average meal and you kind of dip into which again for me is is a great concept because it's the idea of not having too much of one thing. Right. You pick at a little bit of everything. You're hedging your bets, number one, but also all of these amazing phytonutrients work together synergistically to create their magic. So mm-hmm. if you're having too much of one thing, you're not having enough of another. You know. And so after this incredible meza, then they bring out, you know, the skewers of meat, you know, the lamb and the chicken and all that kind of stuff. You know, there's some things that's that are marinated, but really not for very long again. And there's Apart from pickles, there's really no fermented foods that I can think of in Lebanese food, mm. no. which might also be why a lot of Lebanese people have digestive problems and Middle Eastern people in general have a lot of digestive problems when they leave their country. Mm-hmm. I mean, a, a great number of my readers are, are Middle Eastern, which which kind of surprised me. But um, I, yeah, there you go. Yeah, it's it's fascinating stuff because there's the whole like, we need to be eating lots of fermented food side of things. And then, well, wait a second, maybe, maybe not. What is a fermented food? What's, what's in it precisely and what could, you know. So why don't you talk about the, the negative side of all of this? Because I think I was just, you know, talking to someone on another interview about how like rice is not rice and eggs aren't eggs. It's very, you need to get more specific than that, right? So let's talk about fermented food a little bit, the, the double-edged sword of it. I mean, in a way, fermented foods can be great for people with histamine disorders in a way because uh, some types of fermented, some some fermented foods have been shown to have uh, possess potent anti-inflammatory benefits and some even antihistamine benefits, but it's it's a bit more complicated than that. I won't go through everything here, but there's more than one histamine receptor. There's four histamine receptors that we know of in the body. So just because something doesn't activate one receptor, it might activate others or vice versa. So fermented foods generally are not a great idea for histamine, uh, people with histamine disorders. And that is simply because bacteria is something that affects the immune system. The immune system 
bacteria comes into the body and the immune system's like, whoa, intruder, intruder alert, and goes to neutralize it. So basically, you know, the, um, the body is going to be releasing a lot of histamine to deal with what it is. And that is essentially, in a nutshell, the problem with fermented foods. So I always tell people nothing is off the menu forever. Mm-hmm. You know, even the nasty food. I mean, if you really can't live without the burrito from, I don't know, Taco Bell, homemade burritos or something else, yeah. you know, but if you got to get that Taco Bell fix and you can't live without it, then fine, you know there will come a time when your inflammation bucket is is empty to the point where you can fill it up again. And that's why I focus on the anti-inflammatory and antihistamine foods mm-hmm. because it, it, it empties out the bucket faster rather than just avoiding low histamine foods, which is what's considered, what's called the, the standard low histamine diet, mm-hmm. which I'm very much against. I'm right. the, the uses anti- the more active passive approach. You're doing right. both at the same time. Exactly. So, um, but I tell people, you know, once your histamine bucket is empty, if you would like to go with the ferments again and see how you do with them, you know, by all means, it might mean that you'll have to eat a little bit less of something else because, you know, your bucket's getting full, you know, but if the choice is, okay, well, shall I have, you know, a little bit of fermented foods or should I have, you know, half a cup of soy sauce? Right. Well, I mean, which is fermented, but it's not, you know, a good ferment. Um, you know, I would say go for go for the latter. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, it's it's always it's it's a balancing act. Yeah. And you know, I myself, I I have a bit of. It's not that I have trouble remembering, but I, you know, I'm still very much dealing with the memories of the things that I went through. You know, mm. the seizures and like I, I mean, I was a really, really extreme case. Nobody is really as severe as I am when they have histamine intolerance. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but I don't really eat a very restricted diet nowadays. But maybe I don't view it as restricted because sure. I'm just a really healthy eater anyway. Yeah. You know, so people who are not such healthy eaters might be like, you don't eat grains. What's that about? Yeah. You know, but it's just because I, I don't think that they're healthy. Sure. We should get into, you know, grain or no grain because everybody has their own view. But, you know, the fact is I don't view grains as healthy. Yeah. That's why they're not a part of my diet. And it is so interesting. I remember when I first kind of like started really thinking about diet and its effects on people. At first, it's just like, Oh, that guy's skinny. He must have great genetics, <laughs> you know, or or whatever. But it's uh, food preference is something that's that's really powerful too. It's like maybe she just likes vegetables, you know. <laughs> it doesn't have to be something that's that's like oh they're lucky or they do whatever. It's like maybe they just learned that broccoli is good for them and kind of acquired a taste for it. And I think when you start to look at food as as medicine, as something that's much more than, you know, what a lima bean tastes like, then you really start to appreciate that your body is a reflection of how you look at food, right? And and what food tastes like to you. And I get cranky these days, not because I haven't had a burrito or uh, a breakfast, but because I haven't had kale in my like leafy greens or a green smoothie, right? And it's just so cool to see your own body kind of like learn a lot of times the hard way, like you did, that there are certain foods that you really should be focusing on and others that you you shouldn't touch. At the end of the day, I see what happened as a wake up call. And I'm very grateful that I listened yeah. and that my body was kind enough to send me one rather than having me develop some kind of weird cancer or something. Yeah. You know? yeah. It's, 
I feel like I caught something in time because I, 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 you know, I was listening. Yeah. And, um, but yeah, it's the, the food is medicine concept is, is my life. I, you know, that I have my nigella seed oil for this, you know, I put it on salads. It's as potent as nasal steroids. You know, I'm always researching the foods that have the same benefits as the medicines, but at the same time, I recognize the limitations of some studies, you know, being animal based or in vitro, you know, mm-hmm. the results don't always pan out. But at the same time, as you said, if I convince myself that it's going to work, <laughs> it's gonna. You know, and it's so it's fascinating because, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, we were just down in, in Peru and um, trying a lot of sacred medicines, plant medicines and things like that. And one of the things that they say about those is that they're more about diseases of the mind right? Like the, the mental thing, because like what some of these things like San Pedro or ayahuasca will put you through makes you face a lot of the things that may have been eating you alive, maybe without even knowing it. And basically what a lot of the more progressive um, doctors and healers down there are talking about is, would you rather be on an antidepressant for 40 years that may work or, you know, go through your stuff for a week or two and kind of be cured, curing yourself, so that you can move forward in the right way. And I, I hope that that's what medicine, uh, what your experience, what other people have gone through is kind of pointing toward that it doesn't have to be this thing where we're sick forever with whatever we've got. It's something that we can work through, that we can kind of look into, okay, what what can I do that might be a little bit out of what Western medicine thinks is right? Or even something as simple as meditation that can really help heal me forever. So I think you're a living testament to that. And I think your work is fantastic. Allison is inspired to do a cleanse right now. She's reading your book and uh, I, I just think it's fantastic. So um, for all the people who have loved this show, where, where can they find you? I'm at uh, com. And, um, you know, I have eBooks, I have a yoga course coming out. I have a bunch of things in the works, but also we are actually using your plan at the moment at home, which I'm (laughs) adapting because my man wants his like abs, just a little bit more, you know, and fix them right up. Exactly. So uh, we're working our way through your recipes and I'm really enjoying them. Cool. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate that. They are delicious. We've been eating, we're doing a cooking class right now for the wild diet, uh, like a video series. And so we've been eating out of that book for like months. And I'm just, it's cool because we took, it's not just our recipes. It's like Allison comes from a big Mormon family. I come from a big dairy farmer family up in New Hampshire. But we, uh, we took a lot from people who have just followed us online and contributed their recipes you know, their spin on this approach. And it's just been so cool to experience that because hopefully, like we didn't want to start a business or like a, a thing really. We wanted to help guide a movement in the right direction. And I think you're you're part of that and an important one. So thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. It's been wonderful. This episode is brought to you by Wild Superfoods and listeners like you. Whether you're looking to drop a few pounds, maximize performance for your next competition, or simply stay young and energetic, you need a name you can trust. That's why my wife Allison and I created Wild Superfoods. Our nutraceuticals and cutting-edge health supplements are literally the products we've been taking ourselves daily to upgrade our nutrition and optimize our health for the past three-plus years. 
And we're extremely excited to say Wild Superfoods is finally ready for you with much more to come. When you buy from Wild Superfoods, you're supporting a small family business, not a massive faceless corporation. We don't have any investors or stockholders to please, so our priority is you. We want to help you become as healthy as you possibly can be. Also, starting our own family company, it's kind of cool, has made it so we can create these shows for you without outside sponsors clouding our message of health. So if you believe in what we do, please check out Wild Superfoods. We think you'll dig it. And as a listener of Fat Burning Man, you can save over $80 on a one-time purchase or save over $128 when you select the subscribe and save option. Also, you can get free access with subscribe and save to our Fat Burning Tribe coaching and meal planning community. That place is awesome. I'll see you in there. It's usually at least $27 a month. So check out Subscribe and Save from Wild Superfoods if you want to get the tribe for free. We think you'll like it. So all you have to do is head on over to wildsuperfoods.com to order your very own health-boosting goodies for a big-time discount. One more time, that's wildsuperfoods.com. Thanks again for listening. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Fat Burning Man. If you liked it, please take a quick minute to leave a review on iTunes. You can also find me on Twitter at Fat Burn Man and Facebook by typing in Abel James. Drop me a line anytime. Did you know that I've recorded over 150 episodes of Fat Burning Man? And here's some more good news. You can download and listen to all of them for free. All you have to do is type in fatburningman.com. I'll give you a second to type it in, fatburningman.com. Enter your best email to sign up for my newsletter, and you can access every show I've ever recorded. I'll even send you a quick start guide to start burning fat right now and some ridiculously good recipes as a special thanks for signing up for the newsletter. Once again, just go to fatburningman.com right now and enter your best email to get your free fat burning download straight to your inbox and make sure you never miss a show again. This is Abel James signing off. Thanks so much for listening and I'll chat with you soon. Cheers. Cheers.